Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former golfer soccer player Kendra D. St. Aubin. A little later on in the show, we'll be joined by the Vancouver Whitecaps manager, Vanny Sartini, who is always an intriguing interview. First and foremost, OK, um, let's refocus things to last weekend, shall we? Um, a disappointing day, I think it's safe to say, for Minnesota. On the road to San Jose earthquakes, um, what was your overall assessment of the evening yeah I think disappointing is a really good word to describe it frustrating at the same time and you know I mean you hear Adrian say after the game you hear some of the players say that how how can you have that kind of uh response or energy or lack thereof knowing what was at stake and I don't think anybody goes into that kind of a game intentionally with that mindset that that it's going to be um, not the pedal to the metal kind of energy and enthusiasm and um, game plan that you're expecting from that situation, knowing it is a must win essentially situation for the team. So disappointing, I think is a great word. Um, unfortunately, it feels like we've been using that word much too often as of late. And in particular, when you look at the last six games that they've only taken one point, I think that it's, it's become to a custom that we're using the word disappointing, um, not just with the result, but sometimes with the performance as well in a moment where this team should be flying high and the pressure is on to, um, you know, continue to climb in the playoff spots, not just try to get into and stay in a playoff spot. Yeah. And it's now no win in six for Minnesota United. It is uh, the worst run in the club's Major League Soccer history at precisely the wrong time as well, Kay, given the fact we are down now to just one game left in the regular season, which we'll talk about a little later on. You have to go back to late August to find the last Major League Soccer win for Minnesota United at home to Houston Dynamo. What do we make of the the current run and why do we assume this is happening? You know, that's a tricky one because I think, um, yeah, I mean, of course, there's been some injuries. And initially, I think some of our, or at least my thinking was when Debassi went down with the injury, all of a sudden you could see some, a little bit of the faltering uh, defensively. And I don't think you can peg it on any one individual. But when he went down, it kind of felt like, oh man, now all of a sudden, you know, we're not getting the shutouts and um, the goals, you know, some of these goals that are being allowed, or maybe something, some things that are unusual for this back line and for this midfield in particular, and, and even for Dane to give up where your defense is put in some precarious positions, maybe your center backs and your outside backs are tracking back and facing towards your own goal. We've seen a couple own goals, a couple deflections. And uh, so early on, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's just some discombobulation with the defense. And, and then you have Bongi, you know, Halongwane, Bongagukle, Halongwane, who's gone down with an injury. I think that makes a big difference. And I just think at the end of the day, this is a group that is plenty strong enough, plenty uh, talented enough. The quality in this group should be able to accomplish and get results in anybody that they've played, whether they've been at home or on the road. So there is no excuse for why. And I just think that, um, you know, I've heard Will Trapp now say plenty of times and I heard Michael Voxel say it as well, post game. And then I heard Will Trapp say it pregame and post game. Then I heard them say it in internal media this week that they need to have confidence in each other, that they can get the job done, that they can 
you know, accomplish each of their individual roles on the field, that they can win each individual battle, that they can do what's being asked of them in those moments. And at the end of the day, that in turn will result in positive results. It will result in positive plays. It will result in goals. It will result in shutouts. So I've heard the term quite often now in the last week or two about confidence in each other. And you just wonder, and if, if in this particular moment, it's waned a little bit and we all know what a difference confidence makes going one way or the other, um, as much as momentum does one way or the other. So to me, I don't know if it's any one particular thing tactically, we know they've had some injuries. They had the international break to get relatively healthy and get right. We've had some suspensions um, with yellow card accumulation and red cards. Now is the time for this group to come together. And unfortunately, they've left it to themselves in the last game of the regular season to do that. Yeah, let's focus on the actual playoff scenario then for a moment, shall we? Minnesota currently find themselves in seventh. Rail Salt Lake behind them out of the playoff picture on eighth uh, with 44 points. Vancouver Whitecaps, of course, the uh, opponents this coming weekend on 43 in ninth. Ahead of Minnesota, in sixth and fifth, you'll find Portland and Nashville. And then in fourth is LA Galaxy. Now, rather uh, bizarrely, but in uh, very typical Major League Soccer fashion, given the last couple of weeks for Minnesota United, they can still find themselves finishing fourth, which, uh, for those unaware, means they can indeed host a playoff game. Um, that scenario, extremely unlikely, Kendra, with LA Galaxy on 47 points. They play Houston Dynamo. You would assume they would be able to beat the Dynamo, uh, meaning they would be unreachable. Um, but it's just crazy that Minnesota have had all these results go their way over the course of the last couple of weeks, and they still, it may not happen, it probably won't happen, but they still have half a chance of claiming a home playoff game. And it's crazy because, uh, you know, that's the nature of MLS. And I think I heard Will Trapp say uh, just the other day on the internal interviews, it's almost like MLS is, you know, somehow pegged it this way. And I think they've pegged it this way in the sense that the parity in this league can create moments like this. This is why the league is sort of built the way that it's built and the rosters and the salary caps and the DPs. And we can go down the list of the way these rosters can or cannot be built to create parity, to create the idea and the feeling that anybody can beat anybody on any given day, regardless of how much money you spend on your roster, regardless of how much star power you have on that roster, um, regardless of where you sit in the table. I mean, Houston Dynamo, yes, LA Galaxy should beat them. But at the same time, Houston Dynamo just beat Nashville and knocked them out of the position of hosting a, a home playoff game for the mm -hmm. time being. So these are the kinds of things. This is why we play these games. And this is why you and I, at least as broadcasters and why fans live for these moments and love sports is days and moments like this. The fact that Minnesota can still host a playoff game is absolutely nuts considering that they've been, you know, for the most part, somewhat gifted these opportunities in, in the sense that other results have gone their way while they have not been able to take care of their own business, that that is still even a possibility. But at the, I also think that this group, this coaching staff, and if you ask anybody on the team, they're not even focused on a home playoff game right now. And I'm not saying that as a slight to anybody or a, a negative, of course you want to get the result, but first and foremost, get into the playoffs, lock up the three points, get the win, leave no doubt and go into the postseason with a confidence that you know, this team has in each other, in the quality of your roster, 
in your ability to accomplish things, to get things done, to get a shutout, to get goals, both ends of the field, all those things. That is what this team needs right now. And I think that, yes, the fact that they can host a playoff game still is nuts. But right now, first and foremost, actually take care of business, get the three points, get the win at home in front of the best crowd we'll have ever seen at Allianz Field and leave no doubt within your own minds and within you know the, the fan base mind that you belong where you are above the playoff line and in the playoffs. There's various different permutations uh, with Minnesota United being currently in seventh, as we said, on 45 points. Technically, they could get away with this by just drawing against Vancouver and getting a point. Um, that would put them above Portland Timbers into sixth, and that wouldn't be enough for Rail Salt Lake, who indeed play Portland Timbers. Um, it would be really, really interesting to see how that would go. Um, if Rail Salt Lake get a victory over the Timbers, they put themselves uh, very much amongst the mix. Vancouver Whitecaps have to come to Minnesota and win. Um, they've only claimed two road wins all season, Kindra. And as I said, we'll talk a little later on about Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, but re regardless of all, all the different scenarios, Kay, the message surely has to be in the locker room, just go and win the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's worthwhile to talk about any other of those permutations. That's the kind of stuff that you and I get to talk about. That's the kind of stuff that all the talking heads get to talk about and the writers get to discuss about if this, then that, then, you know, and, and honestly, we've been doing that for five or six weeks now. Like once the playoff scenarios started coming into play, the implications of each match, if this and this and this happens, then so-and-so is eliminated, then this and this and this happens, then, you know, so-and-so gets in. If you're in that locker room, all you're thinking about is win the game and get the three points. And, you know, one of the points I heard on, I don't know if I read it or there was a podcast, and this was in discussion about, um, it might have actually been a discussion about the Vancouver Whitecaps when, uh, I think it was two games ago, there was almost, they put too much pressure on that game, on getting a result, on getting a win. And they lost sight of the individual tasks that they needed to accomplish to just win the game, you know, to just do their job, which in turn would result in winning a game, which in turn would result in getting the job done. When you put this like win must win mentality on it in the locker room and you and I could do that, but in the locker room, does it almost result in a scenario where that overrides and, and mentally and emotionally as an athlete, it takes over what you're trying to just do is do your job, win the one v one battles, make the run you're supposed to run, make make you know finish the chance you're supposed to finish. All the things you've learned since day one when you've played this beautiful game, and yes, now they are in a must win scenario. So now they actually legitimately are in that scenario. But at the end of the day, in that locker room, what I'm thinking to myself, and if I'm Will Trap or Michael Boxel, whoever's wearing the captain's armband, or any leader on that team, anybody who wants to step up and say it. I would say, do what you know you're capable of. Do what you've done your entire career and your life to get you to this point and in this team as well. Win those individual battles and the result will go our way. And I think that is enough for them to get the win and get the result knowing the quality of this roster. But yes, it is technically a must-win scenario. I don't think you're playing for a draw at this point in any way, shape, or form. 
Let's focus elsewhere briefly then, shall we? Um, one team that we thought could possibly sneak in up until last weekend was Seattle Sounders, but a 1-0 loss away at Sporting Kansas City eliminated them from the playoff contention possibilities, Kendra, uh, for the first time since they came into Major League Soccer in 2009. And you know what? I think I think when you talk about Brian Schmetzer and listening to some of his post-game comments and his mood and his demeanor... It was a very tough one to take for them because you're coming off this incredible high of winning CCL, something you know that's never done for MLS teams. And then you have the season that you have and you end up missing the playoffs for the first time in 13 years or in the team's history. And that's a tough balance mentally to try to kind of wrap your arms around that as a coach, as a staff, as a club, as a player. And yes, they had some insane injuries. Um, throughout the stretch to key players early on in, in the year um, that cost them dearly. And I, I will still truly believe that Joao Paulo was the biggest loss for them out of anything because he was the kind of the heartbeat of that team in the midfield. And you had lost some other players for large chunks of time. And this time they just weren't able to compensate for it. And um, but I think Brian Schmetzer knows that, you know, that's not good enough from this club. Of course, missing the playoffs is not good enough, but even qualifying for the playoffs, that is not their standard. That is not Seattle Sounders standards to just get to the playoffs. Their standard is to is to get to the playoffs, make it far, win a conference final, and then see what you do in the final in the MLS Cup. That is their standard. That's what's been created there with their history. So what a weird dichotomy to have, you know, take home that trophy and that silverware in the beginning of the season and then you cap off your season with a loss and a missing of the playoffs. That's a weird one. And that might take a little, a little time for them to really absorb that. What was your thought knowing that kind of dichotomy with them? The expectation for Seattle Sounders every single year should be to make the postseason and not just make the postseason, have a decent little run in there as well. I think it should always be to try and claim silverware of some sort. They were the initial trendsetter of back-to-back Open Cup wins um, back in the day, and they were always competitive in that competition. As you mentioned, they set a new standard, I think, for Major League Soccer. This team's by winning the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, And it's shocking. For me, it's probably the biggest shock of the season, I would argue. Um, When you look at, at how many MLS Cup finals they've been in over the course of the last couple of years, they have been the standard bearers. Um, so this, for me, is a is a big shock. Uh, now, I don't think Brian Schmetzer is under any scrutiny or any danger of losing his job because he's done a marvellous job over the course of his reign at the Sounders. But it, it's just, it, here's how you know it's a big deal. It's weird. It's unusual seeing Seattle Sounders outside of that top seven. That, I think, tells you all you need to know. Um, I'll be very interested to see how they recruit because they do need some new bodies. They perhaps need to go a little younger. Um, I'll be very interested to see what they do in the off-season. No doubt that ownership group will know they have to go and spend money to once again be competitive. Uh, In terms of spending money, um, let's touch on briefly, Kendra, the retirement of Gonzalo Higuain into Miami's 34-year-old Argentine. Um, This is a a former Juventus, Real Madrid, Napoli, Chelsea centre-forward. He's been in riveting form over the last couple of weeks, eight goals in his last seven games. He scored two uh, on Wednesday evening in the uh, penultimate uh, regular season game for Inter Miami against Orlando City in in a 4-1 win for Inter Miami, and that ultimately solidified their spot in the postseason for the first time in franchise history as well. Um, This is not only a loss for Major League Soccer and Inter Miami, Kendra, this is a loss to world football. 
It absolutely is. But can I first and foremost say, I want to give him all the credit in the world for the way he handled the benching. And and I remember early on in the season when he was walking around the field, not making runs, I was insanely critical of him and his body language, his demeanor, the way he, it felt like he wasn't taking hold and being a leader of this group of this team and the expectations were so high for Miami last season. And then, you know, clearly they didn't do what they needed to do. And then he was essentially benched and Phil Neville, you know, kind of felt like, Hey, it, it, until this guy proves that he needs to be on the field in a starting role and a more meaningful role, this is where he's going to be. He came off the bench when he played against Minnesota United and as it was actually relatively effective in that last 10 or 15 minutes or whatever he played. So I want to give him credit because when you're a player of that level of that stature, to sort of accept that role and then embrace it and feel like I'm not going to be satisfied in that role. And then he took it and he ran with it and he's finished this season in a way that I'm not sure anybody quite predicted would happen. And yes, and he also clearly has helped get this team into a playoff position and, and guide them over that line. And they are going into the postseason flying right now. So I, I want to give him credit for that, but it is absolutely a loss for this league and for the game of soccer worldwide to not be able to see him on the pitch anymore in a playing capacity. I have no idea what his future holds, but anytime that the sport loses a player like that, um, it's it's a little bit of a, a punch in the gut. And then when the league, meaning MLS, loses a player like that, even more so because we had the honor and the privilege to watch a player like that when he was in form and he was doing what we know he's capable of and just putting the effort on the pitch to to perform we had that honor and that privilege to witness a player like that firsthand in this league and I just you know hats off to him in that sense because the league will clearly miss him but I appreciated that he lifted his game lifted his quality and embraced it and and fought back into that that starting role where Phil Neville could not leave him on the bench anymore. So, yes, um, you know, enjoy retirement. You've earned it at this point. You still have the postseason to play, so you're not quite done yet. Okay, well, we'll take a short break. And uh, next up, we'll be joined by the head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps, Vanni Sartini. injury takes you out of the game it's time for your team to step up at Alina health orthopedics you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations virtual options and an app that gives you 24 7 access to your records test results and care team you're always close to the care that you need schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho And a very warm welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast, presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Aubin. Really, really special guest joining us once again here today. Uh, head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps, Vanny Sartini, joins us all the way from British Columbia. Vanny, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, and thank you guys for having me. 
Absolutely. You are more than welcome anytime to come and chat on this podcast. <laughs> um, and we really appreciate the time. We know you've got a big game to prepare for this weekend. Uh, so talk us through the recent run of form for your team then. Uh, you've won the last three in a row. Why have you been able to, to turn it around so significantly over the course of the last couple of weeks? Well, uh, I would say that, uh, yeah, the result has been good in the last three weeks, but the performance were good even in the two previous games where we lost in, uh, in Colorado in San Jose, where, to be honest, I thought that we didn't deserve to lose, but it's okay. And uh, I think the best the best way to describe it is uh, uh, probably uh, at some point we thought, okay, we are too far, so we're not going to make it. And we started concentrated just to each game, one game at a time, and putting all our focus one game at a time. And probably this uh, really... Uh, help the guys, I would say, being uh, 100% uh, concentrated on, on each game and perform very well. The second thing is a big thing is uh, uh, I think we've never been so, uh, I would say, uh, full of uh, fit players like we are now. So we, we don't, in the last month, we didn't have any injured. So like uh, we, we always have all the guys and uh, and that translates in a higher quality of training and a bigger competition, and so translate in the, in a higher quality of uh, of the game. And the last thing I would say, we the the, the calendar, the schedule, put those three games uh, uh, at home. And uh, if you look at the all stats of us, it's uh, we are a very strong team at home. I think we are the number two or three in the Western Conference at home. And we are not that that good, actually. Unfortunately, away. So when we play home, we are we are we are a better team for sure. When you look at this roster, and and you just talked about the health of the players, and and I know you, last podcast you told us that some of your training sessions almost got too competitive, a little too intense. You had to rein yeah. the guys back in a little bit, which is a good problem to have. But what is fueling the fire for this group now that there is this light at the end of the tunnel, and who is sort of leading that charge? Well, you know, it's of course now that uh, we, I, I would say even before the game in Austin, when we started to say, hey, you know, maybe maybe we can make it. And uh, and uh, so the fact that we had also always the possibility to make it, at least this game meaningful, uh, was a big, big, big motivation to 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 try to, to win every game. And the leaders are, you know, we have a, I think we have a, Good group of leaders, of course, on the field. The, the players that shine more is Ryan Gold. Is our probably is our best player. But uh, I want to say even some silent leader like our captain Russell Tybert, Jake Nowinski, uh, Julian Gressel. That's a new player, but he immediately uh, became one of the point of reference in the locker room. And I don't want to also forget players that at the moment are not playing, like Cody Cropper. That uh, it's actually a guy from from Minneapolis, so he's coming home this week, and uh, and uh, he's not playing at the moment, but uh, he's still, uh, I would say, a strong figure in the locker room, and the and he and he helped a lot to to keep the atmosphere up uh, in the last weeks. Let's get a little deeper into that, shall we, Vanny? In the sense of you mentioned the game against Austin was when you kind of started thinking to yourself, this is where we can probably have a look at it realistically and say, yeah, we think we can get into this. We think we can sneak into the playoff. Did you notice a, a change both physically and psychologically in the group in, in a certain stage of the season? Uh, no, I would say I, I actually 
saw the switch, uh, you know, when we beat the Galaxy, we beat the Galaxy 3-0. And uh, then the next game after a few days was Seattle. And it's a big game. Playoff or not, is the biggest game of the year here because it's uh, against our rival. And uh, and uh, it was a lot of it. And uh, the way that the player went into the game against Seattle so confident. And I looked them after the warm-up and I say, hey, oh, I think we're going to win. I, I, even if like... Uh, uh, and and that was the same sensation against Austin, uh, doing the uh, tactics in the right way. Even the game before, the the training session before Austin, uh, we did uh, some patterns uh, the day before, and uh, I was trying to intervene to correct. And the players were correcting each other, doing the thing, doing the thing, saying the thing that I was I was going to say. So uh, I I. Uh, the, the the brain is the most important muscle for a player. And now that uh, they are confident, we look with confidence with this game. We know that we did this uh, mountain climbing. Now we see the peak is the hardest part, uh, part to do it, but we, we're ready to do it. When you talk about some of those players stepping in and sort of leading the way in the training sessions, when you look specifically at a player like a Ryan Gall, we can all see his quality on the ball, much like we talk about an Emmanuel Reynoso at time. But would you say it's his quality on the ball or his work rate or his the runs? I mean, if you had to peg something that other guys watch on the on the team, whether it's in training or in a game, and are like, wow, this is incredible that this quality, this you know, level of player is putting in this kind of work, what what would you peg it as, as his best quality? I see that I always say that the best quality is that Ryan is a DP, so with the quality of a DP, but with the attitude or a fourth round pick uh, from college that is in the first week at, uh, and he needs to and needs to show uh, that he's good enough in order to to stay in the team. That's that's uh, what makes him special. That's what makes him an example for our players, because. Uh, it's a, it's a DP, but also it's a TP. It's a team player. And he puts the team ahead of him. And uh, that's the reason why it's the kind of uh, uh, star, if you want to call it star, that we need, uh, we need here in Vancouver. So, Vanny, how do, you, um, how do you approach this game then against Minnesota United? Because as you quite rightly said a little earlier on, road form hasn't been too pleasant this year for Vancouver. Just two away wins. But you have to win. You have to win on Sunday to guarantee postseason. So, so what's the approach? Well, the approach is, uh, I would say, uh, not being crazy. You know, you can win at minute 92. Well, the Loons uh, showed us uh, last game. We were probably the better team for 70 minutes. And then in the last 15 minutes, they scored three goals and we lost 3-1. So we need to be focused and be in the game for the entire 90 minutes. Uh, we don't have to score in the first two minutes. We need to match their intensity. That's, I think, what's going to happen because uh, they come from two losses away. They are in front of their uh, fans. So I think that uh, Minnesota is going to start uh, uh, with, with a high pace, the game, and we need to match their intensity. If not, we'll be overwhelmed. But the most important thing is to keep the focus and keep the eyes on the task for 90 minutes. I always say that... Uh, we always can control the output and the outcome uh, will take care of itself. When you look uh, specifically at the way you might want to approach Minnesota United, and I know we're not going to like break down your tactics of how you're going to handle Minnesota, but I know earlier in the season, you said part of the struggle in that first eight games was 
you guys were trying to high press, high press, high press, and then you're trying to find this happy medium. Uh, how much do you have to be weary of that knowing to that point, the energy that's going to be in Allianz field, the enthusiasm that Minnesota United is going to be playing with that you have to sort of rein your guys in a little bit and find out when to high press, when to, you know, have sort of a midline of pressure. How do they read that game? Yeah, we, you're, you're right. We, we don't need to be crazy aggressive, but we, we must be, I would say, uh, not passive. So, uh, I'm not giving away anything because they saw lately we had this little change that when we defend now, we defend with a back four, we defend with two blocks of four. So it's uh, it's going to be those two, those eight players, they need to be really aggressive in the middle third and try to try to win as many, as many balls as we can. And especially try to avoid them to play in between lines, because if the ball arrives in between lines, uh, uh, to Reynoso, to Trangapane, to Garcia, it's going to be a problem. So though, this is for me the key for us in order to win the game. The We always did away and, and home. Our big wins and our big performance starts with the defensive organization. I think that during the season, we never had a game where we have more than 50% of possession or maybe only one game. So we know that uh, defensive organization is the is the key of our of our game, and it's probably the opposite of Minnesota, where the offensive organization their flair is uh, is their is their key. So when there's also this, uh, I would say, challenge of style is also a nice thing for the for the neutral spectators. Let's say like this. What have you made then, Vanny, of the form of Minnesota United from an outsider's point of view? It's it's no win in six now. Can you? Can you see any reason as to, to why that could be the case? Well, I don't know because I'm not there. But uh, first of all, I would say that th- things like that are pretty normal in MLS. Like, uh, you know, it's you can go easily through a bad run of form or uh, uh, a bad way of uh, result. But at the same time, uh, I remember the last game that they played home and I was watching live against the LAFC. I think LFC was very happy to get away with a point. And uh, I think Minnesota was uh, deserving the win. So three weeks ago, they could have beat the best team in the league. So it, it doesn't have to be... They, they now say, yeah, the White Cup to inform Minnesota in bad form. I don't, I, I don't see it that this way. Uh, uh, probably it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a normal thing in MLS when you miss a couple of players, they miss Reynoso for a couple of games. And, you know, it's a very important player for them. So it's, uh, it's. Uh, I think that is kind of a normal thing in MLS. Before that, I think they had a run with a lot of wins. When from they were when we played against Minnesota, I think we were in the same point. At some point, we were 11, 12 points behind. So it means that they had a very good run at certain points. I want to talk a, a little bit briefly about some of the individual players. When you look at Hassal, and I know in that last game against Austin, you had a little bit of a conversation with him after you guys scored the first goal. How would you categorize or, or tell us a little bit about your coaching style, in particular with young players like that in those kinds of moments, and what has he done for your team as of late? Uh, I am a... I'm a soft boy, yeah, especially for the young guy. I'm not, I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not a big on on tough on tough love, to be honest. Uh, I always say 
I'm lucky that I don't have kids because they would be so spoiled with me. But uh, it's uh, uh, it's um, uh, with him. I think that uh, uh, he had two seasons. Let's say the first games he came on, he had to fill very big shoes. Maxim Crepo last year, probably best goalkeeper in the league, and he probably wasn't ready from a mental side and everything. The team didn't help him, and he had very bad games. Then he got injured. And then something in this period when he was injured was like, uh, I think, clicked on him. Also because Cody Cropper did a fantastic job in the time when he was the number one. And that's the reason why that when he came back, Thomas was even extra motivated to do it. And we tried to support him at any time. So that's my style. I'm, I'm a guy that if you show me that you want to improve and coach, and, and, and be better as a player, I will support you anytime. Sometimes I have to tell you even the bad news because I think that's love too to the player because in order to make them improve. But uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big supporter of these young guys. We have him during the season. We had Ryan Raposo that uh, grew up a lot. Ranko Veselinovic as a central back now is established there as a, uh, as a player. Pedro Vite that... Uh, uh, starting now to, to pick up also the MLS rhythm. So I'm, I'm really happy of the development of these young players. Vanny, just uh, one or two more questions for you. Really appreciate the time. Um, you mentioned possession a little earlier on. How important is that to your game plan on Sunday? And then also I wonder how important you think the first goal is on Sunday, regardless of which way it's going to come. Uh, possession is, per se, for me, is not that important. Uh, uh, we won a game uh, against LAFC during the season 1-0. They had 71% of possession. We had 29. They didn't have a shot at goal. <laughs> so I I always say that it's, it's very over... Well, it's not overrated. It's not our, our way of playing. Our way of playing is being very compact, playing against the ball, and then when we win the ball, being as fast as we can and try to to beat the, our, the, the, the team and try to arrive at goals with, uh, with less passes possible. Of course, uh, in, the, in the ideal world, we also have 70% of possession, so the other team never had the ball, but it's okay. Uh, so um, I would say that uh, I expect at the end of the game, whatever the result be, Minnesota to have more the ball than us in uh, next, next Sunday. About the first game, the first goal, I think it's, uh, it's really important if it's not a very early goal. I'd say if we score, if they score after five minutes, I think everything can happen. But let's say if the first half is 0-0, then, and you score at the beginning of the second half, I think it's critical to, the first goal is going to be, is going to be very important. When you look at, speaking of goals and, and goal scorers, Cavallini coming off the bench in the last game and getting a goal almost instantly, and then you have a player like Brian White who struggled a little bit how do you balance that? As we know, goals change games, but they also change players in those moments when you have two quality goal scorers like that. And Brian White's just struggled a little bit this season. And Cavallini seems to be, you know, clicking when he comes on the field and just finding a way to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we played them together also several times. So and uh, they show that they can play together. Uh, they are two different players. I would say Brian... Uh, gives us the possibility of uh, uh, doing a lot of the tactical thing that we want. He's a, he's a team player as a number nine. His ability to connect with the other players, the runs in behind, 
depressing when we are we not having the book i think is uh, is is really high and is is very is very good while kava it's more like uh, uh if we are very low and we play long because we're suffering it can make us breathe because it can win those battle one we one and it's very good in the box that's the reason why also uh we play them together all the time and we like them when they, when they are together. Uh, I always say, joking, that if we had like a genetic machine and we can can mix them mix them up, you, you would have the, the best striker in the world. <laughs> uh, Vanny, look, uh, thank you so much for the time. We, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, one more question for you. Uh, and we ask this with, with just about every guest we have on the podcast. Um, yeah. in, in your opinion, regardless of the outcome on Sunday, is this going to be viewed as a good or a disappointing season for Vancouver Whitecaps? Uh, of course, the result is going to influence a lot. Uh, so, you know, we had, uh, to be honest with you, I would say, if you want to say from like uh, from A, B, C, D, E, we have a C plus at the moment because it was okay. And also we won the Canadian championship, we won the domestic right. competition in a big final against Toronto. We qualified for the, for the Champions League. Uh, at the same time, if we win, from C plus, it, it's going to become a B season. It's going to become a, a good season, not a top season because uh, we have to be honest. We completely botched the first uh, the, the start of the season. The, the re- if we don't make the playoff, it's not because we're not going to win Sunday. It's because in the first eight games we made four points, and uh, because in the next twenty five we made thirty nine, and I and we are, I think we are uh, second tied or number third in the in the league in the, in the second twenty five games. So that's uh, here you have here you have the reason why we are still uh, fighting instead of being uh, already in, and uh, that's it's a big lesson for us on how to do things from the start to next season. But uh, hopefully, it's a lesson that we can learn uh, uh, winning and uh, and getting into the playoffs. Wonderful. Our very, very special thanks to our very special guest, Vanny Sartini, the head coach of Vancouver Whitecaps. As always, to Kindra D. St. Aubin, our expert button presser, Grace Dearson, as well. And, of course, for you at home listening along to the podcast. You've been listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. We'll see you on Decision Day on Sunday when Minnesota United host Vancouver Whitecaps.